You're listening to Every Last Drop Podcast. Join me, Danny, Nick, and sometimes Luke as we explore the relationship between philosophy and art. If you enjoyed today's show and want to contribute to what we're doing, visit everylastdroppodcast.com slash contribute. We greatly appreciate your support. Enjoy the show. Perfect timing. Uh, <laughs> What's up, Danny? How's is it going? E- is this even recording right now? Yeah, it is. Okay. Oh. What's up, my brother? Hey. What's going on? Not a bunch. Cool. Well, um, we're back again. We are back again. We're back. We got some exciting uh sound waves to share with all of you yeah you know what they're they are sound waves but they're more than sound waves you know, they, i like to think of that you know they, they make you feel something mm-hmm. it's not just science you know mm-hmm. what i mean yes but science is a part of it so i don't discount that yeah so you know uh i'm pretty excited because we have a couple uh you know just lately i think we've been getting some pretty cool episodes done dude been and, really uh, fun yeah, like we've just been having fun and, and and I know we've been focusing on music a lot, so I'm I think maybe it's a good idea to maybe change it up and maybe maybe move on some authors or uh just you know, just different things besides yeah. music. It's it's not all about music. I think I just think of music first because I'm naturally musically inclined in my interest. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not all about music, so we'll we'll find yeah. some other stuff. Yeah, we have um, been very heavily covering uh uh, music lately. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been more of a a focus thing yeah. for us. It's just been the music. So, what's cool about this episode is this is our very first repeat guest. So, yes. We've got again Stephen Burkholder who is the lead singer of the War on Peace and just a friend as well, a friend of cool ours. Cool dude. Yeah, and he's a yeah, he's a really cool guy, really talented guy, very good songwriter, um a good singer, uh, just um a really interesting personality and mind and, mm-hmm. and person in general. I agree. So, uh, and another cool thing about this is this is the first time we've had a guest in studio where we actually recorded something besides just an interview. Yes. We actually recorded three songs with yeah, him. Yeah, we did. Uh, we've got some video of it, so mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, working with that. And uh, hopefully the footage that we got is going to work. And, and it's an experiment. It's an experiment, to be honest with you guys. I've never... It, I'm, I'm actually not a professional per se, uh, in the sense that you know I don't do this for a living. Number one, but number two, uh, I'm learning a lot of this stuff as I go. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not like this seasoned Dude. veteran who's been doing this for years. Yeah, that's so, the best way to learn. You know, just yeah, jump in sure. and, and do it. Yeah. So this was an experiment. We asked Stephen if he'd be willing to play a few songs for us, and he kindly obliged us and played them and so we just decided to capitalize on the opportunity and set up some cameras cameras we're running two cameras cameras yeah two of them yep two cameras plural and so i'm gonna be working with that and editing the footage and the audio to try to just make it 
as cool as I can, I guess, and yeah. and, and see what I can come up with. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy that. We mm-hmm. we certainly did. Um, and more than anything, uh, the quality of of Stephen's songs is mm-hmm. what is what make makes it good. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into this interview. This one was lengthy. I, I don't know how long it was, but I'm sure it was at least an hour and a half. Mm. Don't you think? Probably. Probably yeah. in that neighborhood. Yeah. You know what? It, I used to think, man, yeah, I, I just felt like there was this unwritten rule that whenever you do these interviews, they have to be an hour or less. And then I like asked myself, well, why do I think that? Yeah. It's not like I'm doing this commercially mm-hmm. or it's not like... It's not like I have these sponsorships where I have to, like this program's only allowed to be this long and you have to make sure that you reserve at least 15 minutes for sponsors and ads and so you can't yeah. go too long and you're up against a hard break like on radio and stuff. No, we don't do that here. Dude, I, I find myself sometimes after listening to a podcast, like it's, you know, it's been two hours and it's ending and I'm like, I wish there was another 25, 30 minutes. You I have know. That? You have that. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, I listen to some podcasts that are pretty long, like yeah. hour and a half stuff. And, right. Uh, two hours. And, you know, I mean, the Joe Rogan experience, like I was telling you, I mean, his, every episode he does is at, like at least three hours. <laughs> at least. And, yeah. it, and he is wildly successful. Yeah. That guy is getting millions and tens of millions of downloads and views and stuff. It's just, it's insane. It's insane. <laughs> so that being said, there's really no reason why I should have caps on how long the interviews go. Like, I just don't want them to be regulated. Like, I, I want to be free to just do them as I please. And some are naturally going to be longer than others, but I just want it to feel organic. If the conversation's going well, why cut why it off? Why stop it? Yeah. And if it feels like the conversation has run its course, why force it and make it run longer? Yeah. So let it deal with itself. Exactly. So, and I know I said without further ado, and then there wasn't a do. So (laughs) this time I mean it without further ado, Stephen Burkholder. Quick, go. (laughs) Hey, you. Yeah, you. Who's listening to this show right now? I bet there's a good chance you aren't following us on social media. Let's fix that. Look up Every Last Drop Podcast on Facebook and like our page. Find us on Twitter, at ELD Podcast. And find us on Instagram under the same name, at ELD Podcast. So won't you do me a kindness and follow us? Do it now!
All right, welcome to another edition of Every Last Drop Podcast. This time we are very pleased to have a, an in-person interview. We don't get to do a lot of those, Nick, do we? No, we don't. In-persons? Yeah, it's a so special So whenever we get uh, to treat. have one, it's, yeah, it's really special. So this is actually a, a repeat guest. Steven, I think you're probably our first repeat guest. I'm honored. Yeah, so Thank you. we've got Stephen Burkholder, the uh-huh. lead singer from the War on Peace, and, Cause, uh, cause and a friend. Fruit, yeah. The first time we did it, I Skyped in thinking that you were in California. That's right. That's and I was right. like, oh, you're at, where are you at in California? You're like, I'm not. And I was like, you mean I could have come to your house? So wait, this guy's like within 10 miles of us. Yeah, it yeah. was It was a total, um, yeah, that was very yep. funny to me. Yep, that was when I, I had only been back in Indiana for like two months though at that mm. point, so... I I hadn't you hadn't told everybody you yeah like made I had Facebook official exactly like yeah, I yeah. hadn't gone on gotcha. social media and announced to the world that hey I'm back in Indiana yeah it was basically just people that I kind of see day to day but I thought it was so, good it made for a really great story that we just shared with the audience yeah totally yeah. so it was good. worth it in the end and it was actually about a about a year ago exactly like it was sometime in March that we did that last interview yeah so, it was. so it's been yeah. a little while. And yeah, last time we got to uh, break down some of your songs, and uh, I shudder to think what I might have said. But. No, it was good. I I really enjoyed that episode yeah. a lot. So we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit more depth on this one though. So, um, like we've been doing with a lot of our other guests, we've been we've been really trying to make this thing full circle and uh, just just give the bigger picture of where the person's coming from. So sure. why don't we uh, why don't we just take it from the start? How did you get into music? And That's what were some question. of those early influences for you when you were when you were getting into music? I grew up in the church, and uh, and we in the 
the church that my parents took us to when we were little, uh, very the the style of music was um, like bluegrass. Um, really, like Bill was Bill Gaither vocal band. Okay. the Hansons, yeah. the Greens, um, those those ty- that type of music, um, mm-hmm. uh, and that was probably I've always been exposed to music, and it was mostly Christian music at the at the beginning of my life, and <clears throat> you know, and seeing that as a child, and seeing this drummer go and. It obviously had an impact on me, connected with me. I would mimic my parents said I would sit on the pew and Go take pins drumming. and play along and then yeah, I mean I was nice. I was sold out and um <clears throat> uh, to the point like I remember I remember um my dad had a uh worked for at one point he worked for a lumber company and he did some traveling and he had um I can't remember which came first, but he had, you could buy those, I don't know if you're, you're probably too young to remember, but you could buy, uh, back in the day, these cassettes of like greatest hits at gas stations for like four ninety nine or something like that. Wow. I don't remember buying them yeah. at gas stations, but I do remember cassettes. Yeah. So I'm not that young. So they, <clears throat> I remember, I remember a couple of things that were really key. Um, and it's a little blurry, but, and I could but I can remember a couple of things. I remember distinctly when my dad brought home a copy. It was a blank tape with a copy of the song uh, Wipeout. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got the drummer. Oh, yeah. I can't, I don't know the artist is. I want to say the ventures, but I don't think that's right. Yeah, they did pipeline too, I think. But that really surfy kind of. Yeah, and he's like, oh, Wipeout, you know. Yeah. And, I remember just being floored and playing that like all the time and trying to, yeah, yeah. I don't think the like, mic's com- going to pick that up, but compared to what you were listening to, that was blowing your mind. Well, I, I, I was a little child that had only heard Christian music before. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being a point of discussion. My mom's probably not going to appreciate this, but my mom was, my dad was like, yeah, do you think we should let him listen to that? You know, like it was a, it was a real thing. Like, right. and, uh, and my dad's like, it just says wipe out. Cause we were going to this <laughs> church and they were going to it and, and, uh, we didn't have a TV. We didn't, yeah. didn't believe in Christmas trees and were guitars. Okay. in that, in that church no, or was it conservative yeah, guitars, to the point gu- where no guitars were okay and drums were okay, but it was this, it was a style thing. Right. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and so Hearing that, the other memory I have, and that was just blew my mind. The other memory I have is um, uh, one of those tapes that he bought at a gas station, and it had like yeah. key songs. Like, and I didn't know what I was listening to, but it was mm-hmm. Elton John mm-hmm. uh, uh, was on that tape. Uh, Rock uh, Crocodile Rock, you know, and that blew my mind. Like, what's this guy screaming the microphone about? some crocodile i don't i don't know i don't know but as a kid i'm like i don't care and i had fleetwood mac uh i think it was nice. don't stop thinking about tomorrow right yeah i think that yeah don't i know that song thinking about yeah. tomorrow yeah. yeah um and another song that really blew my mind at the time it was uh um uh oh 
Keep on a rocking me, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Keep on a rocking me, baby. I don't know the artist, baby. man. Uh, baby, it's Steve something. Uh, he also did Fly Like an Eagle. Steve Miller Band? Yeah, Steve Miller Band. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, my recall's poor tonight. But uh, that, those three songs on that tape, and I want to say it was all on one tape. It may not have been, but that's that's the way I recall it. Mm-hmm. That somehow I was they were they were like okay you can listen to that. Then, was that music current with that? No, at that age or was no, it still no. kind of old even at old, that time? Oh, like yeah, early, yeah. Early it was 70s, like an oldies right? tape. Yeah. It was an oldies tape, and and it, it was blowing my mind. So I remember my um, at three years old, they my parents gave me my first drum set. Like it was a jazz kit. It was this like off brand generic. Torador, I think is what it was called. Mm. I, I think it was called Torador. Red Sparkle. And my mom tells a story like, she's like, oh, she took me out. It was something they used to do. They um, they used to have like this candy, like toppings for for the cakes, you know, birthday cakes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you could, and she would let us every year, she would take us to the store and let us pick out the kind of candy right. toppings we wanted. And we just, whatever making memories and it was cool and i probably loved it and where she was driving back to the house and she's like so what did you think you got for your birthday steven and <laughs> and i'm like i'm getting a red drum set she's like how do you know like she's like, she's like i know and i i just knew apparently uh, she said she started she's like and they did literally get me a red drum set uh, and she was like i she's like i started thinking oh my goodness like what would have happened if we would not have gotten this child <laughs> a, a drum set, a red drum set? Now yeah, I remember yeah. I just had like a, it was high tom, floor tom, kick, snare, uh-huh. and then a, a a crash, no hi hats. And I remember like, where's just the, one symbol? Uh-huh. And I was like, really like, where's the with disdain? I'm sure a three year old or where's the hi hat? Uh-huh. What's up, mom? What's up, dad? You know, but they, they ripped got you me. off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they they got me this drum set, and I I um, probably just made a lot of noise on it, but. Um, I remember it being a problem when I was doing sides, side sticking, you know, and mm-hmm. my brother tattled on me because like you're chipping your sticks, you're ruining them, and, mm-hmm. and I, I was, it was a bad thing. But yeah, they, they, my, my dad played guitar. The radio was huge in my family. We didn't have a TV for years, and so we listened. Was your to dad a lot. playing guitar in the church? No, no, no. He was like an elder in the church that we were at for a while. Um, I don't know the time frame on that, but. Um, uh no he was not he he that wasn't his he was more into classical oh okay classical stuff and he, he took me to guitar lessons and stuff and they were incredibly supportive with anything music i mean who else is, oh yeah let's give this kid a drum set so um <laughs> but you know um when we at a certain point in time you know i i uh i just started as a drummer and and um we we got to uh we moved and and that was sort of the beginning of my understanding of music because I was allowed we moved closer to Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, northwest Indiana we moved to in a sprawling metropolis. Where were you living before that? I was born in Plymouth, Indiana. Plymouth, okay. And then I we moved to East Hebron. Yeah, Hebron, Indiana, a sprawling metropolis. Yes. Where it I is. grew up. And um and that's I remember at the time there was a radio station called 104.3 JMFK, JFMK, whatever, Dick Biondi. And it was oldies. 50s, 50s, I remember 60s. that. My, yeah, my dad yeah. used to listen to that. And I was just a little kid, little kid listening to that. And and they let me listen to oldies. And so at a very early age, I was just getting pounded with hook. 
after hook yeah. after hook yeah that's what those the, that time and, period was very heavy on those things yeah because they didn't have the the flashy stuff that we have available to us today no no and you listen you listen like i remember still like it's funny even as a kid i could remember thinking that song's dangerous like i had that thought when i heard rolling stones jumping jack flash or when i heard satisfaction i'm like wow that sounds dangerous <laughs> and in its time it was it was completely countercultural well i just, I just or... mean it was edgy yeah. and it was and like, it was like something that never been heard like before it has know? the potential to influence tons of people yeah it was dangerous in its uh-huh. time like they were what you know the beatles were you know like that's problem. pushing the boundary of what's totally. acceptable today totally and so but as a kid no. i had no grid for any of the history i was just listening to oldies and i was like you know but i had no grid for modern music for a long time yeah, wasn't allowed to really listen to that. Didn't have a TV. Didn't. So you turn where you could consume things. I mean, I was like, yeah. "This is awesome!" And I would, you know, the kids would be talking about artists. Yeah, and you didn't. You didn't feel like you were missing out, did you? You felt like. Um. Did you at all ever at some point feel like, oh, I'm missing out on what's out there now? Or no, or I mean, I, I don't. I don't have any real distinct moments of like, I, there's just something I no, I didn't know. But you fast forward to the first time that I hear "Smells Like Teen Spirit." That was a game changer. When I, I heard it the first time, I yeah, and it's just a cliche. But you hear that I'm sitting in art class, and this is a couple years after. This is how I wasn't allowed to listen to certain things. It was a couple years, so '96, I think, is the, one of the first times I heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit." And hmm. "Smells Like Teen Spirit" comes on the radio in art class, and I'm like, "What is this?" And it was like, that's, an, and it just connected. And Kurt Cobain's been dead for two years, you know? Yeah. Mm. And <clears throat> and then you, I remember, you know, discovering the pumpkins and discovering uh, all this, all this, this whole entire world that, and I'm still, and I'm discovering it through my radio. And at, at some point we got a TV and, um, you know, but just to watch like approved movies, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and in a certain sense, I'm really grateful that my parents did that. I feel like it gave me an appreciation for, um, podcasts and, yeah. and long, right. for, I love listening to, to long form media. Um, you know, uh, I think in a certain sense, it was a, it was a good thing not to have a television in the house and they pushed reading and I like to read and that's good. I still like to read and, and, and you know i agree with that to a certain extent on the other hand it sort of created this forbidden fruit thing to where i became became a tv junkie too you know at some point yeah, yeah. where I, and it's easy for me to slip into but yeah um, i, I guess like, if you suppress something too much you can you yeah can, it's like it's kind of think of like a slingshot mm-hmm. like if you pull too far back on it that tension builds builds and builds eventually yeah. it's going to release now and go I, hard and in I, the other direction yeah and i don't mean to my parents are you know they're great they're great people they're incredibly faithful um you know uh oh it doesn't sound like you were knocking them no not yeah. at all and they're they're uh you you're know, just des- describing they've they're 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 incredible people that um have given a lot and, and i'm a lot to deal with to be quite honest so i was <laughs> my mom calls me her maverick so that's an interesting term well I'm the rebellious one, middle child. So, um, but you know, it, it wasn't like that. They were really trying to do what was in my best interest and, you know, yeah. So 
But it was, it, I discovered things later and after it had already happened. And then when I finally, I, I mean, I can remember just watching in high school, uh, sneaking TV or finally got one in my room and watching, wonder, watching Letterman hoping the guest was good. You know, the musical guest or SNL praying the guest was good. And yeah. that's what they look like. Cause we didn't have cable at the time. You know? Yeah. And uh, she's using bunny, bunny ears and the whole thing and tinfoil to get better reception. And, you know, it's a, that's something charming that the young kids won't understand. Cause they, yeah. Whatever. Have their phones and. Yeah. Just, now it's all in their hand. Sure. Yeah. Pocket. Yeah. Someday it'll just be in your brain. That's. Won't even be that is. Device. Uh, it sounds crazy, but when Elon Musk is starting companies that are dealing with neuron. Yeah. He's basically know, pushing back yeah. against the Ray Kurzweil's of the world. Yeah, he's against that. He's a, there's like some fighting there, isn't there? It's really Elon interesting. Elon Musk has put up a billion dollars of his own money into a nonprofit to dis, to like get a grip on this AI stuff. Yeah, to he make thinks it's going to destroy source. us. And, and he the, believes Kurzweil that. believes it's going to make him transcendent. So e- Elon Musk wants to stop it then? Is that Elon well, Musk, that, I, that's what you're yeah. saying. I don't yes, know. It's I, true. Oh, I've been okay. I know a lot about if you it watch, lately. If you watch Ray Kurzweil, The Transcendent Man, that documentary, he literally believes he will upload his consciousness to a machine and live forever in it. Um, yeah. yeah, and like get to the point where you can you can take your brain and upload it to something and and uh, or you can download stuff into your brain and like just learn Chinese immediately. So you, it like becomes that. matrix, very matrixy. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a term for this. It's called uh, it's called transhumanism. S- yeah, transhuman singularity. This which basically the gist of it is basically like man merging with machine technology, artificial right. intelligence in order to well, improve himself the most. This I is a rabbit. This is a rabbit. Well, trail, real though. quick, I want to I want to because it's let, this is a rabbit trail and this is your podcast and I'm just a guest. But last thing I want to say that is less confounding to me now. I mean, that is still a trip. But what's more is like the what they're coming down the pike with the the ability to three D print like organs and skin and like it, like it, oh your kidney's gone here we go boom at what point does it not become you anymore you know what I mean like <clears throat> yeah. oh Ray Kurzweil says like um it's gonna and he talks very casually about these things like it's nothing like he's like oh yeah the the body is gonna become less and less actual like it's just gonna be more machine and it's gonna be more infused right. with you and you know, you lose an organ, whatever, no big deal. Well, uh, we're cool with like uh, a transplant. Mm-hmm. You know, as as I mean, uh, I would, oh, I would yeah. most people are cool with the transplant. I mean, think about this. Yeah. There's a there's a concept out there called uh, it's this long acronym, but it's called CRISPR. And basically, the gist of it is, um, you know, think about how like when you're in Pro Tools or an audio program, the way that you can chop up audio and edit it. This technology allows you to say, to do the same thing with DNA, with human DNA, to actually it's, edit it and rearrange it. So think about this. You're uh, a parent uh, in some prenatal diagnosis. The doctor says, your kid's going to have yeah. Down syndrome. But if you just use this technology, which, by the way, is very efficient, it's like 98% better than anything we've ever had right now, I think. That's the number. It's, it's pretty darn close. And mm. it's very efficient and not expensive. All you have to do is just this little gene editing and stuff, and we'll just get rid of all of it. I mean, it's really, it's of really. You'd say yes. Would it's, you not? Yeah, it's really interesting because it does it brings about a lot of ethical, moral. Of course, yeah. and that's why these it's conversations like, need to yeah. happen today because yeah. we need well, to figure out the ethics surrounding this stuff. Because, I feel like Nick has something really important to say. Yeah. About it. it's like at one. But I'm at what point do you? As you what? <laughs> I was railroading. Oh, okay. 
at what point do you, where's drawing a line from treating like an illness and playing God? Like, where is that line? You know, it's like, I don't know. That's I, well, it's, it's cloning. questions that I keep asking a lot of people yeah. and they're just like mystified that I'm even asking. And I'm like, I, I don't listen. I'm not, I'm just saying like, I'm not, it's all real. Like what's the, the, the Russian, uh, well, I don't know. I think it's a Russian who's going to get his head as head transplant. Basically, <laughs> this guy has this terminally ill disease. I can't remember the name of the disease. He's in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. but he's having his head put on a body and they're going wow. to connect it. And so whole, I think the doctor's French. I cannot remember any of the names, but it's, it's a real thing. They're, yeah. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know. We know what that means, but um, like, is that that's insane? It is I mean, insane. I think there's a lot of like critics out there that like it's just not gonna work. But well, yeah. Um, but he's been like preparing for this for years. I don't know if that's crazy. I mean, I don't know what the answer to that question is, Nick. But to me, there's definitely some hard lines. I think once you start cloning human beings, you're in God yeah. territory. Or when you start, or when you get to the point where we don't die and we just live forever, that's probably God territory too. Yeah, but well, look, we can. You can continue go on, on with the music yeah. stuff. That's we better. can go on with that stuff for a yeah. long time. But it it really is a fascinating conversation. No, and yeah, it, Sorry, you know, yeah. we deal with philosophy on this show, and that's really philosophical stuff. So it's really not as off topic as you think. Oh, okay, but, that's good. Yeah. So okay, so you give a pretty good background about all that started for you with music yeah. but what about the songwriting when did the songwriting enter the picture um i got real into guitar um around fifth or sixth grade and uh, it was hard you know um and uh my brother was doing it and then out of just pure competition i couldn't let my brother get better than me or whatever <laughs> so i he gave up and i kept going and um he was bored with it and whatever he played piano and saxophone and an amazing singer who never sings. But, um, that's another story, uh, uh, far more talented than I, but, um, I just kept going and I was discovering all these, you know, these songs trying to emulate. And I think in sixth grade, I started writing songs and they were, they were not very good. That's no, okay. No one, no one's they good go, when they start. I was yeah. <laughs> for some reason. I do remember that this is the dumbest thing. It's uh, I'll be vulnerable. I remember thinking in sixth grade that I needed to have a song about balloons. I don't. Okay. I don't know. There's why. a lot of symbolism in balloons, though. So I mean, no, I mean, but uh, but I just didn't write a very good song about balloons. Yeah. That's the thing. But I remember thinking like. I spent a lot of time thinking about. I have to figure out this song about balloons, and, <laughs> and I never did. So, well, now it. you can change that today. Yeah, you can, can change it all. That's, that's the next. Late. The yeah, next project will be yeah. the balloon song. You know, yeah, the balloon uh, project. The balloon project. It's a sweet yeah. music video. It's a concept though, album. Yeah, it's a concept album. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so it was basically the the drive to be a songwriter was just yeah. You well, wouldn't. You didn't want to let your brother outdo you or was that just no no he wasn't right like he didn't uh, my brother wasn't really he just didn't care so much Mm. about uh um those types of things um but uh uh no i just it was just a there was something inside me uh, that just like hardwired or something that i was like i'm gonna figure this out it was innate yeah there totally totally and uh and just being stoked with hearing all these amazing songs on the radio and and seeing and and i can remember <laughs> i can remember watching and 
in uh in school there's these guys that used to play in a band together and and um I remember it being like in sixth grade, um Green Day was massive. Massive. And uh with with and I remember these guys I better not say any names because I don't know that but they had a band called Freak Daddy Love Cheese. <laughs> and uh That's a classic. Freak it's a good band name actually. Um <laughs> and uh and for whatever reason, um it was they were I was in the band room and it's before like a like a basketball high school basketball game, but I was just probably in sixth grade and, and um I remember walking in on uh, in the in the band room and nobody was in there except for two guys and they were playing When I Come Around by Green Day. Mm. Just drums and guitar. And I oh, just I, remember I being song. electrified. Like like, oh my goodness, what is this? You know? Yeah. And um Yeah, I I knew <laughs> I, I I knew there was like I'm gonna do this. This is what I'm gonna do. I had that. I'm, I'm going to figure that out. That was a moment. That was a moment where I was like, pivotal yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. And and then I remember meeting another guy. Um, he's he's a dude out on the West Coast. He's got a band um, called uh, Mouse House. Mouse House, I think and it's M A U S H A U S. Mouse House, I think. They're pretty cool. Um, he's he's unique, but. My relationship with him um, uh, in high school, like he started exposing me to these, like, oh, here's Radiohead. <laughs> oh, here's, you know, um, here's more of Nirvana that you've never heard of, you know, and here's um, just stuff that I never would have found my own way. Like, and and everybody kind of, I think most people have like these people in their lives that are like, yeah, bro, have you heard this? You know? And, and, uh, that's, sure. you know, and, yeah. uh, he had a profound effect. I was probably incredibly obnoxious and insufferable, but, um, uh, he was a huge pumpkins fan at the time. I, and, um, so he got you into them too. Yeah, totally. Um, all, all the, all that classic. Well, stuff I, was... you know, Siamese dream. I, I remember that would be a point of contention in my house. My mom found that she freaked out. She wasn't a big fan of the pumpkins. Hmm. Um, Maybe. Billy Corgan was a weird dude in the nineties. Well, I don't the know. Nineties were weird is, times, but, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, I, I re- I didn't like melancholy and the infinite sadness when it first came out. I was like, I don't, I don't get it until years later. And then I was like, Oh, and then I, then I met Jeremy and who was like a big, I was a He's, bigger, it took me a while to appreciate melancholy. I, I liked, um, uh, it's got everlasting gaze uh, on it um as lead track off of it what's the name of the album machina mm-hmm. i thought that was a really underappreciated pumpkins album i liked that way more than i liked melancholy then later i discovered melancholy the 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 brilliance of it and um really i don't know too many other artists that have, have stacked up quality work yeah. like that guy has, all that so. stuff really shaped you yeah, and uh, how you? Oh, and I was a, a massive Dave Grohl fan. Anything oh, yeah. Dave Grohl did when I was a kid, I was like, I don't think anybody can do better. And um, I mean, those first three Foo Fighters albums were huge for me. 
huge for me. He had a great pop sensibility. You listen to the the first Foo Fighters self-titled album, and it's just like super garage, you know. In terms of the production of it, oh, it's just it wasn't it was, bad, but you no, can tell it, was it was great. Like, it was great, yeah, it was, and all it was the good. and it was raw, and it was fantastic. And and then you go to Color in the Shape that Gil Norton produced, and it's like oh it's God. just an assault and tight yeah. and such a good and album. It, but the, the pop sensibility—it's so heavy but so poppy. Um, and then you get to the third record, there nothing left to lose, and and it's it's just these pop songs. And I I remember being such a fan of of Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, and they did, that it, it literally annoyed and bothered friends of mine. They're like, oh my gosh, just stop. There's other bands, you know. Mm-hmm. I was that person. So. Yeah. I've been that person, I'm sure, with Mute Math. So yeah. I think I, I still am that person on other things, but people tolerate me still. So. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Under the power lines, we felt electrified. Look to me and smile Please remember The future looks so bright Shining in our eyes We walk side by side Please remember
Okay, so let's bring it a little bit further along into Do the it, future. Yeah. How about into the territory of starting like your first band or even plural, we can say just just in general, like your early <clears throat> bands, if there were multiple of them and yeah. like playing shows, playing live. I, what was that like? I played I played drums and bands before I did anything. Um and that was interesting. Um uh but like my first like me oh I'm gonna sing. It was after I met and played guitar, you know, even though I had been playing guitar and singing. It was after I met uh uh Jeremy mm-hmm. and um I wanted desperately to be in whatever he was doing, just to play drums in it, but just never worked out and he was working with other people and and it was it was what it was. Um but uh I started I started this band. Well, I was I was, I joined a band as a guitar player and then I ended up firing everybody and taking it over <laughs> and it was bad. It was not. So you were recruited to join the band and then yeah. you took over the band. And there was a massive everyone. fight about it was bad. It was, I really wish I would have handled that differently. Um, and by differently, it would have just been better if I would have just started my own band. But I had, I had a lot of cowardice and uh, passive aggressiveness and just some things that I didn't really know how to work out and just made a lot of decisions. I would, I just would have handled and dealt with people differently. Um, but it, eventually I, I started a band called the notions and, um, um, uh, I didn't really know what we were, uh, what I was doing, um, and then and then eventually that ended, and then I started this band uh, with the help of DJ Field, mm-hmm. um, and he like started it. This band called Urbanites, and oh yeah, my cousin Gabe, and then that's my first frame of reference for any musical thing that you've done. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the first thing I that heard was of like, that you were so, in was Urbanites. Yeah. Um, it started with me, my cousin Jeremy Gabe, too, so. cousin Gabe on drums. He's a great drummer, great engineer. He he knows a lot of things, and then, um, uh, and then Bradley Briggs on bass, fantastic bass player, incredibly creative, incredibly funny, um, guy. And then I conned Jeremy into being the band. Gabe left. I messed. That's my on me. I messed that one up. I I should have again handled that better. You um, ran him out of town. Just wish I would have, wish I could have got that one back. You know, yeah. we're we're good. He's he's incredibly gracious about the entire thing. Um, he's a good guy, um, talented guy, yeah. and and uh, you know something that happened in the in a gave, band isn't enough to no, lose he, an entire relationship. He, over. he gave me a pass, and uh, and uh, I, I'm grateful for that. I wish I would have handled that differently. But DJ came in, who's also a phenomenal drummer, and and. Um, you know, took over that spot. Yeah, took over the drum spot. Great drummer, great singer, songwriter. Guy's just a force to be reckoned with when mm-hmm. it comes to music. And then, oh, uh, he knows what he's doing with music. Yeah, and uh, we were we were doing our thing, man. Um, I think we had a lot of hopes. Um, I just don't. It just obviously didn't work out. And um, you know, Jamie and I started something new, and uh, um, when Jamie and I started. We just knew we, I think there's this thing that I started to come to this realization that there's this thing where you like, 
what you it's like when you're playing um as i learned this when you're playing drums or something can feel really good but there's a disconnect between what you feel and what's actually happening and when you start working in the studio when you're recording vocals or guitar or whatever what feels good is not necessarily good and and recreating that always translate doesn't always translate and what so what's what you're doing you have to close the chasm that gap there that that um you know uh that you have to have a growing awareness of what you're doing and how it's actually coming off and i think for me personally that was recording like that's how i sound that's how i Mm -hmm. you know that's what it's instant feedback yeah and it's you have to learn to listen to yourself because you can, it's it can be incredibly disheartening. Yeah, you know, or just like you have to learn to watch yourself if you're like doing any sort of film. You're like, oh, that's what I, you know. You're like, you just got to kind of accept it and not fight it, and just yeah. learn to give yourself a break. But learn from those things mm-hmm. to try to get better. So, refine it. Refine it, right? And um, you know, with with the War and Peace when we when we started, we just knew Jeremy and I just were like, we spent way too much time in Urban Nights. Um, being way too vulnerable, thinking, why haven't they called? Well, they haven't called because you're not that good. That's what that's what needed to be said. Yeah, you're not that good, and you haven't earned it. You haven't done anything. So eventually, and, the day came when uh, when you guys were were ready to uh, come to grips with the truth, and the truth well, was that it, you just weren't. That, that was more on my personal. Like I I th- I thought I was better than what I was. Um, now we had some amazing fans and some people, and we were doing some cool yeah. things. I think you know, was, I was one of those fans. Yeah, and and we were we had some opportunities and stuff, and and work with some people, and we had some. I think what we had was a lot of potential, but I just don't think we could ever get on the same page with what we we needed to really do. And then Jeremy and I kind of obviously we started working towards the end of Urban Nights. We started working a little more closely and. And uh, DJ and Brad exited, and yeah. we we're like, okay, let's kill this thing and let's start over. And we got rid of the guitars for a while, and uh, just we just man, we just let's just write. Let's try to get good at writing songs, and that doesn't say that somehow we've arrived and gotten really good at writing songs, but we just tried to be about the work, and um, we, that's what we've come down to in yeah. this band is do the work. And there's all there's other things, there's business things that have to be done, and there's. But the band isn't anything if you're not doing the work. No, you have to have a core. The band means uh, the business means nothing if there isn't a product, and the product is the song. Right. I'm totally. And so, you know, good songs, by the way. Well, that's the hope. That's the hope. (laughs) I and I think you're doing a pretty good job. And maybe I'm biased because because I'm a friend and and I listen to the stuff that you do. But I (laughs) like Nick hates me. You tell me, Nick. Ah, come on, come on. Yeah, Nick, you're probably more objective than me. What do you what you like? I mean, you think the One Piece songs are good songs? I love them. They all sound. I'm the kind of person that when I listen to a song that's really huge and has a bunch of reverb, uh, that 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 speaks to you me the feel most. It, I yeah. really feel it the most. Yeah. I feel like all of all of you guys' songs just really have that. Lots just of reaches out and grabs you. You know, and oh, it's just very yeah. layered, right? It's very yeah. sweetie, you to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We when we brought Graham in and. Dude, Graham's a force to be reckoned with. He's 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 just incredibly talented and and uh 
just prolific, really. I mean, the parts he can come up with and right. just outpouring. And, mm-hmm. You know, so we just spent the last few years just really trying to hone, like, our pro- our creative process, learning, uh, you know, we talk about Pressfield all the time, and that's, you mm-hmm. know, um, try we'll, to... We'll be getting to him a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, sir, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's good. You, you, there's no jumping the gun here. I mean, this th- all this stuff is connected, man. It's all connected. It's all connected, yeah. man. Yeah. So we make not, it sound uh, like we got yeah. like this, like this board, this whole wall with all these yeah. yarn and, and like those yeah. Pins you ever seen that uh, yeah. that Russell Crowe movie, A Beautiful Mind? Yeah, where he just goes nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Ron Howard movie. It's a great. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, like at the end of it, he's talking to that. He's like, he's like, are you real? <laughs> he doesn't know. That yeah. guy died in real life. Not too long ago in a car accident. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure. That's you might sad, want to Google man. that later. Fact check. But okay. I want to say that I heard that somewhere. If so, yeah. then that is sad. But yeah, so we're, we're not going to go too much into the nuts and bolts of the war on peace because we, the last time we you don't hear, need to talk about that. Ben. No, I mean, the last stupid. No, I'm just saying like <laughs> the, uh, the details of it. Sure. And yeah. I know that the, the self-deprecating thing is kind of like your, that's your thing, but <laughs> what, <laughs> what? No, I don't know. <laughs> you think I'm self-deprecating? What did you just say? What did you say? Yeah, it is. got really defensive. As a uh, um, as a device for humor, I think you use. No, it. I'm I'm always trying to get validation. It's really it, a ploy to try to get you know affirmation from people. I, I see. It. Maybe maybe it is, but but the way I it also comes like off when, for me is like it's that's what you use to like diffuse tension in a situation and just kind of disarm people. Yeah, I try to. Because I hate tension and conflict. I'm bad at it. I'd rather preserve a relationship. Than, yeah, me too. Than, I can definitely than, relate to uh, that. I'm the same way. I'd, I'd rather just like, why swallow are you so the mad? bitter pill yeah. oh, and yeah. preserve the yeah. relationship than, like, than, yeah, I'm the same way. But yeah, yeah. But what I mean is like we, we talked about kind of how your workflow is and, and, We've and the last there. episode. Yeah, we covered right. we that, that already. So if you haven't heard, just go back to the last time Stephen was here. So let's, let's talk about what's currently happening You've got a new EP coming out soon. Automated like, people. Automated people. It's coming out like in what a month from now? May twelfth. Okay, May twelfth. Yeah. By by the time that this podcast airs, it may be out, uh, or it'll be coming out very shortly. Because when are you going to put this podcast up? I, I don't. It, it takes a couple of weeks at least. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm on, on a very slow release schedule. It could be so, out right now. so that I can keep up with it. No, hey, no this is coming good, out tomorrow. Good for you. No, dude, hey, well, whatever, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, how excited are you for the new EP? First off, I'm in too deep to get alive. You think you're free? That's just a lie. Bring it on down, 
I'm down, down, down Bringing I'm down, down, down They let you down Time after time They sold you out For nickels and dimes Well, I say it too much Yeah, I know enough So bring it on down, down, down Pass me your cigarettes and I'll tell you all my regrets Now I can't go home But I still think I can challenge to write it and f- and finish it and we spent more time on this we were for a long time we were just pumping out track after track after track i remember that and this one we spent more time on on these six songs than anything we've ever done and so i feel like it's uh sonically it's sort of a culmination of what we've been working towards you know like a summation of 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 everything so far um and a little more consistent sonically and there's definitely a theme like it's definitely a story. So, mm-hmm. um, that was my first crack at trying to put together a story. So, um, which it still ended up pretty abstract, but it's still a story. So interesting. Nick, Makes I'm, sense to me. Nick, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure, sure. There's, we're, we're at a fork in the road right now. Yeah. 
what do you what do you want to hear first? Do you want to hear him talk about the story of that record, or do you that's on it, or do you want to hear him talk about the writing process of that record? Um, I'm gonna leave this one. Up to I would you. say let's hear it, or just hear about it first, and then hear you know about the process. Let's okay talk about it first. So, okay, then what we'll is the like, story, Stephen? Yeah. So it it's evolved because uh, it started out as um a um I wanted to write sort of the, almost this biopic of uh whistleblowers uh nsa whistleblowers mm-hmm. and that the proved, snowdens of the world and that proved like that. to be incredibly difficult and impossible for me to do with i needed way more time um uh so i changed from that um to uh sort of the sci-fi story of an event happening and then people and these people that are like, Hey, bad things are, this is, you know, um, essentially there's these characters that I, I, I really in real life, like William Benny, um, is an NSA whistleblower, really interesting character. Uh, Thomas Drake, um, um, everybody knows Snowden, but, yeah. uh, uh, Edward Loomis, um, these, these folks that, I don't know any of these people. Yeah. So, um, these people are like, they, they were working heavily for the NSA for years and, uh, or working for the government in some capacity. And, um, you know, they just, they, they really believed in the, and this, everything I'm saying has really no bearing on what I believe or, or think it's just, this is just purely observational and, and, and yeah, you're being, being a, descriptive. Yeah, just describing, just describing what's what I know, the information that I've taken in. But it's it was fascinating to me. So William Benny and Edward Loomis, and I'm I'm doing the two second version here, really. But um, uh, essentially, in the '90s, this guy Hayden, who was overseeing the NSA. Or the some council came to Loomis and to and to Benny and to other people. Um, there's some nerd sitting in his basement listening. Is like that's not correct. Actually, it was this, but the abridged version here. Um, and they're like, we need to figure out how to automate the internet. You know, how do we? <laughs> that's a pretty far out there idea. So Benny came up with along with the help of other people this this way in which to he wrote this program called Thin Thread. And it was a way in which to um, process information online um, and still be aware of certain targets uh, targeted to potential terroristic threats. But it kept in all the constitutional protections, uh, like the Fourth Amendment, for U.S. citizens. Right. Um, It was incredibly efficient, incredibly inexpensive, and they said, nope, not big enough. So this was the apparatus yeah. that they were using to what we now know is how they collect massive yeah. amounts of information and mine yeah. it. So they that was took, the beginning of that. They took Thin Thread, rewrote it, and wrote something called Trailblazer, which to this day is like a billion dollar massive bulk data collection failure. And so you have guys like Edward Loomis who was in this, and he's got one interview that everyone should go watch it was on um some npr uh thing but at the end of it it just stuck with me um 
because this sort of the I am you can't find much on him except for that, but he details what the his process was going through it, and he said before before I don't want to get into the weeds of this event, but before nine eleven, um, he went to the council and was like, please. We're doing this bulk data collection. We're not safe. We're not. We're we're less safe. We're missing things. There's no way to go through this information and know what's what. And there's just too much of it. I guess was he trying to advocate to go back to Thin Thread? Yeah, I mean, essentially. And he's in the interview. He breaks down crying, and uh, he's like, he can't, he can't go on. But he's like, he's like, this is taking a toll on me of my life because nine eleven happens and that's like 3000 people. And then the war after that, you know, and it was, that was used as a catalyst to go into war, you know, obviously mm-hmm. right. and the countless lives that are lost and he just, it's affected him so profoundly. So I'm not picking sides. I'm not trying to get into how nine eleven happened or whatever. I don't right. Care. You're just I'm, describing. I'm just describing. And, and, um, uh, but but his emotional this guy was working for the NSA and he was one of the top people and he was in it and he's his life is essentially ruined by this <laughs> this thing and and Benny's life as well like and so I just I was really getting back to the music like I was like man that's just fascinating mm-hmm. to me I don't know why but like these are the inspirations these are for, the inspirations so the I took t- I couldn't do the biopic thing it was just too much to like and like what do I say it what do you get three minutes three and a half minutes four minutes to work with you you need more i need more time you know and um so i ended up like well let me just tell a simple sci-fi story of 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 an event happening you know Mm -hmm. like a movie and like yeah of an event happening and like throwing chaos and so everything that you think that happens and the first single that we release is the opening track on the ep called fear of loss and it's it is that event. It is the it is the hopes and dreams being crushed, and fear and uncertainty being unleashed on a on a unsuspecting public. And <laughs> they are, you know, it deals with the Hegelian dialectic and and a problem reaction solution and 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 people coming to the rescue, but not necessarily for the good of the people. And and with all these, it's it's basically the end of individ, individuality and the beginning of of groupthink and collectivism and collect well yeah sure and in the bad sense yes you know because i'm 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 four people coming together and united and working together um but when it's at the you know when, nobody, when it's at the expense of yeah the rights of the individual losing sight that every individual sure. person has a certain kinds of rights so so this so this these people just sort of kind of um fall under the spell if you will and and the the idea of what it means to think for yourself and have the ability to critically think like they just they just lose that you know and it's almost like this hidden secret that gets sort of trapped and and are are kept and hidden from people and they don't they're sort of in a fog and mm-hmm. i just i don't know it's not a new story this story's been going on telling it for years in different ways so but it just was it just felt like i needed to write about it and it was it was it was interesting to me and and uh you know and the whole record that's what the record is it's a sci-fi you know inspired by these these people that 
went through some crazy stuff, man. I don't know. And, and again, I don't, it's not political for me. It's not, I, it's, it's just, you know, I'm not saying you know, one way's right or one way's wrong. I'm just, it's just, it's just a story. This, maybe the know? story speaks for itself though. Like, I don't know why can... I'm defending it so much. I think it's because I can, I can hear and feel so much. Whoa, you don't know. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not coming at you, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, it's not that. I'm just. I'm just telling stories. Well, uh, people are so inclined to yeah. jump to the conclusion that anytime you start talking about things of that nature, that you're just some whack job conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And that's and, an and ad hominem, to... you know, logical fallacy attack, you know, but yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. And, and I'm, I don't want to, of course you're not trying, that is by no means even close to your intent with something like this. I think it's right? because people like, I'll say things and, and people are like, what? You're crazy. And it's like, well, I don't know that I'm crazy. I, maybe I'm just saying something you've never heard before and yeah. you're not aware of. And that you haven't based, considered it and you haven't, you haven't yeah, thought about it like, yet. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's not an attack on you. I'm just, but there's no need to attack me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Be a little know. more open-minded. You know? Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to put it out. I'm excited to play the songs live and share them. And, um, I'm excited to, um, move on to the next thing. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Already, already thinking about. Already, forward. we have like fifty songs, but we're gonna whittle down. Yeah, or narrow. I don't know. We don't know yet. We don't know yeah. where. We're, honestly, we have no real. No, but that's clear. that's a nice problem to have is just have this large bank of songs and then wonder what are you gonna do with all of this? What mm-hmm. direction to go? That's yeah. that's cool. So like it's, that. exi- it's exciting. Like, okay. One of my band meetings are sometimes not the most fun, but. I love when we get together, the three of us, and we sit down and we just listen and we eat, and we talk, and we just hang out. We're like, that could be cool. And we just start like, just yeah. letting it flow. Like, yeah. you just, I love those times. And it's like, we, we just slow down and we just think about what we're doing. I love yeah. those meetings. When it's kind of a relaxed, so yeah. like, that's where the ideas come out yeah. and the inspiration. Yeah, it seems like if you do it that way, you're not forcing anything. No. Yeah. And that's that's one of the keys to our our success and our creative process is we don't we let what's working work and what we're all like yeah we love what everyone's doing when it was something we're not you know we let, we've talked about that before but right and that's the best way to my my mind but yeah any yeah. anything new or I guess we can talk a little bit about process now on on this record was there anything. Uh, new or different or just anything of note compared to how you're doing things before? Did, did the process evolve a little bit? I, I, or was uh, it generally the same? I, in this project, I went, uh, I worked heavily in Evernote and I didn't use pen to pad. Um, and I don't think I'm going to do that again. Um, you mean like actual handwriting? Lyric, yeah. Lyric, lyric writing. I, I typically have gone pen to pad. And um, um, I went Evernote, and I, I didn't, I don't, I just as an experiment to see, Evernote's fantastic for many things, and it's good for especially organizing all of your thoughts and having them. Oh, okay, I can see them all, but I felt like a disconnect. Um, there's a slight disconnect from the songs, and yeah. um, maybe that's just a fluke, but. Yeah. There's something to the methodical nature of actually writing something down that um, I think helps, yeah, really crystallize the thought in your in your mind and something physical is happening. There is something, something, and I, and ones and zeros on a and screen. And I know that sounds like a really like oh you know like like 
someone like an old man yelling at clouds because I'm not against the technology. I'm 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 just you know how we wield it is everything, but there's something there that just it just it may just have been what I'm used to. Maybe I need to get better at using it. That could be the argument, but um, for me personally, that was the only real difference. Um, and and then this time we. I suppose the other real big thing was is I recorded vocals with um, either Jeremy or Graham um, engineering mm. in so the same So you weren't room. by yourself this time? Was not by myself this time. But in the time. past, you were. The entire past, I've always recorded all the vocals on my own. And I really enjoyed having Graham or Jeremy there. Um, uh, it's, it's if, you, if the trust is there with a person to help edit and you trust them, it's an incredibly rewarding experience because you, I get lost in like, I forget like the things that I'm concerned about are not ever going to be picked up on. So having, you know, Jeremy there uh, or, and Graham did a couple sessions um, um, and he was good too, but you know, just, just that voice of like, I don't think you need to worry about that. Um, maybe focus on this. And, like right there, and it, I, I've, yeah, you I don't have that, that luxury when you're by yourself to, uh, no, you, I get lost on a rabbit hole. When I'm, I'm sure. So that was really cool, and I'm, I want to do more of that actually. Do you um, get into overthinking territory? Well, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it, to the point of like it, I mean, just, it's unhelpful. You, it's important to, I think, at, at the right time to have the right editor with you to be like, yeah, you know, and, understand what you're trying to accomplish and those guys do they understand they mm-hmm. they put up with me enough they that's huge and for them they i think they did some things differently with just their sonic palettes and the paints they were using um and how they worked together in their flow but i i can't really speak to i don't really have anything there was just like i'm like good luck i gotta go figure out how to write good lyrics which, right which that's, is enough of a job. That's in and of questionable itself. in itself, you know. And at that point, I'll hand off a raw, you know, basic chords, basic pads, basic drum machine thing off. And the only thing I will say is, I really like what you're doing there, you know, or I'm not feeling that so much, but I love that, you know, and mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. of a, you know, post production, you know, producer role, which really is, that's the, it's really just a guy that's like, I like that. You know, you're just giving your input that's it you how know? you react to and what's been put those, there those guys know what they're doing man yeah they don't need me to tell them what to do yeah so. it's good to, it's good to have somebody if you're uh, someone who if you feel like you can easily be an overthinker it's good to have the jeremy or the graham in the room to just help correct course when you're going there yeah oh yeah, yeah. like hey, hey here's the river here we go you know yeah don't worry about the the side the bank you're good Okay, well, I think now seems like a good time to get into the press field stuff a little bit. Sure. Um, we've we've talked a lot about that his book, The War of Art, on this show. I I think I mention it probably every episode. Did you read it? I've read like half of it. <laughs> Dude, finish it. I know. So <laughs> good. It's it's like a, a mind like yours. You're you could tear through that thing. Come on. I know. I should. I I don't really have any excuses. I have no excuses. I just it's like you cannot reference that book until you finish. No, it. no, I don't. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like, come on, man, you you eat it up, no problem. Yeah, but, but no, but seriously, it is kind of embarrassing to like refer yeah. to a book that I yeah. haven't fully read. 
It's kind of well, it's it is embarrassing that I like brother. constantly talk it up and then I I still fail at the 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 pragmatic you know yeah. principles of it you know but oh I mean it but you don't you, you can don't kind of get to, what he's saying in the first you know whatever oh I the guess. value yeah. the value of the principles isn't whether or not you are able to consistently carry them out or not it's if you can come back to them and apply them like the principles work yeah right they do okay yeah. so. Okay, so speaking of the principles, so it's been a really influential book on you. Yeah. Uh, That's thanks to Graham. Okay, awesome. Thanks, and then Graham. Jeremy read it, and then I was like, okay, whatever. The, the, I guess here's how the book trickled <laughs> down like, to I me. Guess you're right. <laughs> Graham brought it up to you guys. Yeah. And then you brought it up to my friend Fred, and then Fred gave it to me. So that's yeah. how it got to me. Yeah. Uh, so how have those ideas shaped and influenced your songwriting and, and how is how has it changed your approach to songwriting from where you were at before that i guess i don't um it's less mystic to me in a sense in a certain sense and i'm not a mystic but um you know um i it's a little more tangible to me now mm-hmm. like I'm I'm looking for something but spe- we were talking about it before like how does music connect with you and what are you first what are you first listening to is it is it a, is it a lyric is it a melody is it a chord progression is it a sonic thing a guitar bass beat whatever um and I I for me it's like do I feel something when I listen to it and that's I'm sure what most people or I don't know about most people but a lot of people probably mm-hmm. are like do I, yeah. am I feeling something? I think everybody. Yeah, they want to feel something. Everybody thinks that subconsciously. Yeah, there's something going on there, and are you connecting? And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's good. That's and and um, so I'm out always after that. But Pressfield really, he really outlines a good work ethic of not worrying about. You can really distract yourself and derail yourself from the the work that you need to be doing as an artist, no matter what kind of art it is, by thinking about, I've got to do this great thing. No, yeah, what you yeah. need to do is show up, stop having all these, like these, these thoughts about what it's going to be and just show up and get it and then yeah. let it be what it needs to be. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, and that's his whole argument with it, following the muse and, mm-hmm. and, you know, pushing back against resistance. Pushing back against resistance, the things that get in our way of doing the work. And that's with anything. You can you can apply these principles more than just a, from an artistic yeah. standpoint. You can apply them from working a run job, your run your business, yeah. how you work out, whatever. The, 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 there is this thing that wants to stop us from doing mm-hmm. the work. And... So that was comforting to me in a sense because it was like, oh, I can just yeah. show up and the pressure's off and I just I can just follow. There was some freedom in the message. Yeah, there's a lot of freedom in the message. Um now that being said, like I still every artist wants to like, oh, I just want to make something good. I want to do do the work. But there's a lot of work around the work that's never gonna mean anything to anybody necessarily. If only to yourself, you know. So hmm. I think that's I think that's what helped me is, is, is to realize is you don't have to be amazing. You just have to show up and capture it and let that, you're, you're, you're sort of a conduit mm-hmm. for something. And you get, if you really, well, that's, 
that's where the whole mysticism thing comes in and I'm not doesn't doesn't have to be mystic. I think that's I think really that is it's a matter of a lexicon and it's a matter of your nomenclature. Yeah, your Mm -hmm. nomenclature of how you define things and how they come about and this, that and the other. And I'm just whatever. Like people get too wrapped up and it don't get me wrong, language is important and and terms are important and they need to be defined correctly. But you know, um yeah, man, just show up. Yeah, it's it's not a mystical concept though. The way that he's laying it out, it and 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 the cool thing is going back to that. There's freedom in the message. Is like you do that enough times, you bet you're gonna get better. Yeah, you, you bet the work is gonna improve, and and you're gonna little by little climb your way up to and uh, I don't, to the heights of of what mm. you're capable of. And I think it's gonna be. I think it's 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 sort of un not maybe not unreasonable, but like. You know, his whole thing is like when he lays out how he works, which is he was, from what I understand, you know, his life was a wreck until he was 40. Then he figured it out. <laughs> so there's still hope, you know, and, and so I got another 16 years. To you got another 16 years to figure this out, bro. So, but, but what I'm saying is like you, you, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that, that, when you show up consistently and you stop thinking so much about what you're trying, there, there's benefit. I think that's more of a personal thing for me. If I overthink something going into it, I'm going to miss the the beautiful, I'm going to pass right over that thing, that nugget that's back and I just need to chip away at it and like, Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. I, I, I oftentimes am let down and when I overthink it, whatever, but you, you don't, when you just show up, you do the work, you come, you come away from it, you know, whatever. Then you listen back the next day. Sometimes you're like, Oh, I think this is something, you know? Or, and then sometimes you're like, well, that was something, you know? <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah, it's, it, you, you, you move on, but, and you do it again and you do it again. And, and, um, you know, and then that also like helped me with this fear of like, oh, you're never gonna write another good song, and you know that that voice of, mm-hmm. it's over, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you haven't even begun. And that's it's resistance. Like, that's resistance. It's like, shut up. I gotta do. I'm just gonna do what I do. You know. It seems like so often, like with songwriting, in our heads, like it's not good enough for us, but in reality, the audience loves it. You know, like we'll write a song, and it's like it doesn't live up to your standards as the creator of it but then in the long run they love it and you're like really you guys like this have you ever experienced something like that steven um probably yeah. I, and nothing comes to mind but um i, I mean i've definitely experienced it in, in the form of like playing a live show and thinking yeah this is just not very good. And then yeah. coming up and be like, that was great. You know? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, really? Like, uh, <laughs> and I've definitely thought it the other way too, where I've thought I'm killing it. And we're yeah. like, hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you're like, okay. And, yeah. and you know, you gotta, you gotta think about who's talking to you. There's a little bit of that. Right. Some people are a little true. more reputable than, than other sources, you know? Yeah. Um, you can't put too much stock in that, but you, so that's why it's always good to have the trusted people that are like going to, you trust to tell you the truth. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> my wife will generally tell me the truth. Uh, so that's, that's good. That is good. Yeah. Um, truth teller, but yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it, it is, 
you're right that that sort of thing does happen but as as you know if i feel like if i'm sending something to to graham and jeremy if i'm emailing them song title 1.0 it's generally because i think i'm on to something mm-hmm. and you know usually they're like yes this is good you know like we can work with this you know we yeah. can make it better you know and um but sometimes it doesn't connect and that's okay there's been a lot of those and then i'll go back to them like this is a good idea you know and uh, they're like yeah, yeah sure 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 you know <laughs> just keep writing <laughs> like but yeah so Pressfield, he talks about uh, the sort of I- the sort of ideal person, or the, the the thing that he's idealizing is the person that is constantly overcoming resistance day by day, making the choice. And he calls that person professional, right? That's the term he uses. Yeah, professional, totally. Yeah. So, I wanted to ask you, me and Nick, we talked about this on another episode. Yeah, we talked about yeah. what does it mean to be a professional, and I guess the, the big fundamental question is. Do you, you actually have to get to a place where you're able to sustain yourself financially and make a living at something in order to be a pro at something? Or is being a professional something totally different? Like it's not just about, it's about probably, the money. It's probably, who you, it depends on who you ask. Um, if you're asking me. Um, I am. Uh, and you are. <laughs> I am actually. Uh, yeah. I I no. I think being a pro means you're showing up and you're doing the work and mm-hmm. and and money is a is it can it can be a really good indicator and a really good measure mm-hmm. of where people are at and and, uh, and like in terms of is it working? It's for in some cases. In some cases. Mm-hmm. In some cases. I mean. You know, there's stories, and I don't know the name of these. There's millionaires that that walk away from it. There, and it's very few. There's people that walk away from it, and uh, there's a particular married couple that they gave their entire wealth away, and I cannot remember the name, so I'm going to sound like a liar, but I'll find it and uh, I'll uh, I'll tell you about it. John Gatto, John Taylor Gatto writes about him. He's like, wealth didn't suit us. You know, so they made a ton of money and then they walked away from it. So does that, you know, do we measure the quality of work by the amount of money? Um, money's important and it helps you pay your bills and live within the quote unquote civilized world. But um, you don't, well, some do. I don't. Uh, I'm not in music for money. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that I won't take a paycheck or that I wouldn't happily if somebody wanted to give me uh a large sum for the work that i've done that i wouldn't happily take it i don't mean it like that either but um there's other ways to make money easier ways to make money mm-hmm. um you get Absolutely. into music these days um for me i'm into music because i feel hardwired to do i i don't i don't know why I, it's i can't i can't get it out so money to me is it can be a barometer of success and and professionalism but it could also be a pretty good liar too um and like it can deceive you it can totally deceive you and uh like anything else but um it's it's not bad to make money off your art i think it's good i think you should if you can 
Um, but if you're doing your art and you're not, and that's not your full gig, like as far as like making your living, that's not wrong either. That doesn't mean you're any less validated as a person. You know, I mean, there's plenty of people that are incredible musicians. Incre- I listened to this interview with Ron Howard, you know, obviously you guys know Ron Howard. He's the narrator on Arrested Development. Um, beautiful mind. He, he, Directed oh. that, directed Apollo, Tom Hanks. He's directed countless yeah. movies. Uh, he was Opie and Andy Griffith show as a kid. Oh wow! So he's been in the business for a long time. But he talks about his father. Who, oops, sorry, he talks about his father, who was an um, an actor, uh, and and he talks about a lot of those old guys who have SAG cards that are, you know, really low numbers. You know, and like they were the, one of the originals in the business. He talks about this idea that there's a lot of really great actors that aren't acting and, um, and a lot of the guys that are doing it, especially from his dad's generation, they just outworked everybody. Hmm. They outworked. They just kept showing up and they outworked. It wasn't that they were the best actor. There was better actors. They were good. They were good at what they did, but they outworked. They just, and that's what most people aren't willing to do. They're not willing to show up time and time and time again for something that may never pay out um, that has paid out for others. Um, and I think that that may be, for me, professional, somebody that's like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> no matter the yield, this is what I'm doing. I think that takes some guts yeah. when, when there's no guarantees of any. Right. Uh, there isn't. There's no guarantees that this is going to pay you back someday for all the hard work that you put into it. Now, I think that at the mm-hmm. same time, it's okay to have a good business plan. It's okay to try to capitalize on your art. This notion that you shouldn't is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay if you don't want to. That's great. But for yeah. you to sort of project that on other people, say you shouldn't, this idea of purity. This, yeah. Please, the amount of time and energy that people put in into their art, they should get paid. Are you kidding me? Come mm-hmm. on. So, um, I feel like that's, that's kind of a way that you can know that you really love what you're doing because it's your passion where you, you're doing it. And like you just said, you know, money might come, sure. but it might not, you know, it's like, you know, you're not guaranteed the money and you know that for a fact that you're not guaranteed that money and you just keep doing it. Yeah, that's, totally. Yeah. That's how you just know you love it. It's a good thought. Great thought, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nick. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe a couple topics that are a little bit lighter, and then we can oh, uh, we, we can wrap up. <laughs> I was getting uh, all this philosophical stuff. This yeah. is really heavy. Well, I think you. Uh, one of the questions I had, and I think you kind of answered, was uh, just what the bigger picture is for the war on peace. And I think you, you pretty much explain, you know, just being pro and not really caring yeah. about. I mean, we we. It's. There's no real good way to answer that without sounding blowhardy, but, um, you know, we have dreams of dreams or whatever. There's a better way to say it. We have, we have have, a vision. We have goals. We have goals. We know what we're, we want to do and we're doing our best to do it. And we're trying to learn and grow along the way. And, um, it's like anybody else that's, that's doing whatever they're doing. You know, we're, we're, we're driven. We're, I mean, Graham and Jeremy are working tirelessly and and killing it and carrying me along the way and um 
it's it's uh um you know we're 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 very we're, I don't I don't I don't know how to there's no guarantees but if you don't try if you don't try to do something then you got to live with yourself when you're 60 if you get to live that many years um yeah. and if you if you at least worked on it you showed up you did what most aren't willing to do you say well hey that's to me that's better than having to mm-hmm. live with it i never tried so i don't actually know mm-hmm. you know um but even in that you know i mean we're we're all living lives and we all have uh relationships and families and um and people that we love and and our lives aren't any less rich because of what we're doing you know we're um yeah so i mean as far as like specifically where where we want to go um i don't really have any answers hardcore answers and i know we just want to continue doing it uh, yeah in the immediate future and 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 we're we're doing everything in our power to grow in it and share mm-hmm. with as many people as possible well i think recently you've had uh a pretty awesome victory. One of your songs is going to be featured on a major motion picture. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a. What, so what can pretty, you tell us about that? How did that happen? And uh, I mean, that's man, just that's really cool. Truthfully, yeah. It it's a friend of ours worked at this company that uh, places music and films, and we put out a song called "You're the Only One," and and he he texted jeremy's like this song is i called or texted or something he really liked the song he's he's like i want to place it i, I like guess. it too thanks thanks Pro- man. it's probably my thanks, favorite man. one and, and that yeah. you've done thanks man um and and uh he he uh jeremy's like sure <laughs> you know and we didn't think too much of course of, think too much about it you know like yeah you wouldn't turn it down right no yeah. i mean and then a couple years later suddenly it's in this movie this owen wilson movie and cool. um you know um i think it's got a release date for december or something or whatever so that's um, a little ways away still a little ways away but um you know I've, you know somebody comes to you and is like want to put your song in a warner brothers movie nah, i don't think i'm <laughs> nah. do I'm, I'm sorry i'm just not going to say no to that most likely you know yeah. I, so um that was pretty awesome. I'm pretty grateful. Um, we're pretty grateful and uh, pretty floored that it happened. So, yeah, that is cool. What, it, what does that cool. mean for the band? I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, do people pay attention to movie yeah. soundtracks a lot? No, I don't. I don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's huge for us, and we're incredibly grateful. Don't you oh know. yeah. Um, I I the, a lot we, of people are going to hear it. Sure. Um and but I don't I don't know that it um I don't I definitely kickstarted some things for us, um and some relationships and and turned a few heads. Um but um man this business is just weird. Is that my phone or yours? I think it's mine, sorry. Always texting me. Um, I have friends, guys. All right, they text sometimes. Sometimes after nine, um, when it's serious. Um, yeah. So, uh, but 
you know, it definitely, it definitely, there was a little bit of a domino effect. It, it, it connected us, connected us to a couple of people and, and, um, you know, got a little more notoriety out of it and, um, put on some, you know, radars that we weren't on before. And I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for that, you know? And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it really comes down to how much you're willing to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, nobody's going to give you anything. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now people will help you and it's amazing when they do. And when you've, but if you stop working, forget it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, someone helping you isn't a substitute for oh, you doing the work. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. And, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it, but, um, yeah. well, uh, it, it seems like at, at a minimum, it's going to help you maybe build a little bit of moment, um, yeah. momentum. I'm getting tongue tied. No, it's so good. No, totally. <laughs> momentum. It, it, it has, momentum. It, it has, and maybe some ways that aren't really seen on the surface, but, um, um, uh, in other ways. Yeah, for sure. So we're really happy about it. And, and we're, no, I'm stoked about that. I think that's really cool. Thanks. That's man. really cool. Okay, last last thing. Oh, here we go. We we like to give everybody who we talk to a chance to offer up uh, some advice. I guess you could say to uh, to those who might be listening who are more kind of creative types, and maybe they want to do something similar to you, or maybe it's something different, but all the same, they're they're a creative type and they're doing their kind of work. What what advice do you have for them? And maybe you've already said, but you know, yeah, I think it's, it's worth I don't maybe know. reiterating. Off the cuff, I think, um, I think it's it's really crucial for you to, um, whatever your thing is, whether whether it's writing songs or just being some musician, or or maybe it's writing books, or maybe it's bull whips. I don't know, or how you make bull whips. Um, I think a be about your work be about your work um and the success of your work um the fruit of is the fruit of doing the good work and um that's one thing um the other thing is um be careful who you surround yourself with um and if so especially if you're working with people i'm i have i have the benefit of working with two of the coolest um uh, just committed, hardworking, faithful guys you'll ever come across. You know, I have that benefit. I have that luxury. Um, not everybody gets that luxury. Um, so work with people and align yourself with people that share the more than you know. They share the load. They share your vision. They share. They want to move forward, and they're united. It doesn't mean you're gonna always gonna agree, but it it, it does mean that. Um, you're gonna come back to what you guys are doing, and um, <laughs> the other big thing is is whatever you're, especially if you're in a band when you start it, uh, just have that conversation about your creative process from the get go. <laughs> Define roles, get that out of the way, and expectations. You know what? It's it's not that much different than even like a business or anything. yeah, or if you're a single guy and like you and you're looking for someone to get married to, I think that same conversation totally. pretty much has to happen with, uh, you go out with somebody, uh, you got to have that conversation about, okay, what, what are the real expectations of what we're looking to do here? Because 
Yeah. Because if it's clear and, and yeah. both of you are in agreement on what you're going after, then uh, totally you're starting off on the right foot. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that's so I think it's good. I think that advice applies in more than one way. Is totally. basically what I'm saying. Totally. I agree. I agree that you agree with my statement. <laughs> I agree you that you agree, agree with me. <laughs> if you agree with me, then you can't be wrong. Then you can't be wrong. I'm right. Um, but, but, be careful you let in your inner circle. Um, and, uh, but also don't lie to yourself. Don't think you're doing something. Believe in your work, get better at it, but you can take that the wrong way and think if nobody's connecting with it, you don't get frustrated. Take it as an opportunity to maybe evaluate why. If you're not selling that bullwhip for $7,000, maybe there's a reason. Maybe you're not using the right type of leather or something. I don't know. It's like maybe, maybe you're not Peter you're, Thorndike. <laughs> yeah, maybe because you're not David Morgan yet. Yeah. That could be. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah. He, there's people that I think delude themselves. And I, it's easy to do because I've done it many, many, many times. Mm. And keep your head, don't, you know, don't stop and keep your head down and always be willing to get, I, I don't know, now this, I'm just trailing off. But that's all stuff that I've had to learn maybe the hard mm. way. Well, good advice, man. It's it's good that you can speak from experience, and pe- maybe someone won't have to learn the hard way because you you gave them the advice ahead of yeah. time. So, but maybe it's a good thing to rejoice when trials and tribulations come. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. I don't. That joke won't make any sense because we're not going to air that first part. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now the guests are like the the, the listeners are like, wait, what? What, is what did he just say? What? literally nobody's doing everybody's like whining now like what what what?" or (laughs) we're about to say oh pretend like you just didn't hear anything we're gonna get like our men in black uh (laughs) zapper thing what was that called that was uh i forget the name it doesn't matter (laughs) anyways all right well that's all we got for you this time man thanks for coming back dude thank you for having me man thanks for having me come on i was like talking to you guys and um um, it was a real pleasure so absolutely the same for us when something gonna, you gotta get you gotta get Graham in here, man. Yes. He's fact, he's I was, elusive. I, I was I was gonna drop a drop a hint about it, but I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, I you. can make it happen. Okay. Pull some pull some strings. I'll get I'll get it I'll get him out here. I'm gonna drag yeah, him in we've here. had we've had Jeremy, we've had you. Jeremy twice. and I are just, just gonna sit and watch Graham. him watch him while he's talking. <laughs> and just yeah. judge him. You know, I give him a hard time. I don't have as much experience with Graham as I do with you guys, but the times he's I've talked dude. to him, he is He's a very friendly, down-to-earth guy. Like he's, he's, guy. he's, it's not hard to connect with Graham. Not at all. And he's, <laughs> so, he's incredibly talented. I yeah. mean, the dude is insightful and brilliant mind, smart guy, brilliant yeah. musician, yeah. hands down. So I like Graham a lot. So yep, he'll be next. Cool. But uh, that's all Thanks, we got man. for this time. Thank you guys. And uh, and we're gonna play those songs that we recorded on the show too. So that's good luck be cool. with that. All right, <laughs> all right, guys. Talk to you next time. See you guys. Do you have a question? A quip? a grievance, a greeting, or anything else otherwise you want to share? Do you want a chance to have it featured on our show? Pick up your phone, dial our number, or send us an email. Our phone number is 916-382-2654. That's 916-382-2654. And our email is everylastdroppodcast at gmail.com. Stephen Burkholder. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. The one and pleasure. only Stephen Burkholder. Not the one and only Stephen, but the one and only Stephen Burkholder. Mm-hmm. Well, there may be another Stephen Burkholder somewhere. But in the he's world. not as good as this one. So. Yeah.
This is the this is the best one out of all the ones that there are. This is probably the best one. Mm. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be a hundred percent sure, but yeah. we can be just about yeah. certain. I'm just kidding. In fact, the reason I say that is because I f- I feel like Stephen would probably make that that joke yeah. that I just made. I bet he would. Yeah, <laughs> like he'd probably literally make the same joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I appreciate his sense of humor, but yeah, I hope you guys like that one. Uh, like I said, that was that one was one of our longer ones, um, but not because it was a forced conversation. It was very natural. It was very. It was. Um, the length was just a byproduct of how easygoing the conversation was Mm -hmm. i'd say you know and like i said you know you don't want to cut those things off early just because it because why Mm -hmm. you know i i I don't want to do that anymore you know i I just want to let the interviews be what they are and so let them run their course exactly so one had a great yep. course to it and this and and this this is going to be a fun episode because we're going to have music on it and then the long interview and the videos that are going to come out associated with this episode yeah. that'll be on our YouTube channel I'll probably put them on the website as well um yeah yeah just so everyone knows um www.everylastdroppodcast.com is a great place to to go to uh just get everything that you need in regards to this show. Uh, there's a feed of all the episodes with the descriptions. You can check out all our picks. Uh, everylastdroppodcast.com slash picks is where you can see the picks that me and Nick choose every episode. And uh, yeah, and there's, I mean, you can see the club, uh, contact us if you want to uh, drop us a line. Maybe, maybe you have a suggestion in terms of a guest we should pursue. Because, you know, I mean, I need ideas too. So yeah. if, if you're listening and you have some ideas like, hey, I think you should talk to this person, I'd be more than happy to entertain that. You know, just drop me a line and I'll, I'll consider it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So without further ado, we're going to get moving on to our, to our picks. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. You want to lead off? Sure. My pick of the week uh, is this guy named... Hank Shima. He goes by Pecos Hank on YouTube and he it's basically a storm chasing channel. He's a photographer, filmmaker, and he goes out getting awesome videos of tornadoes. And this guy's basically living the life that I want to live. He's doing what I want to do so badly. He's an inspiration to me. Not only uh, does he know where to go to film these awesome storms, but he has just this uncanny ability to capture them and and just beautiful full hd 4k resolution and he's just a great filmmaker he's clever in the way that he he narrates his videos and the way he pieces them and edits them and puts this video here it's just so clever he's he's brilliant hank shima uh goes by pecos hank and uh check him out like he's uh an inspiration to me and i'm looking forward to filming storms and if this guy's such an inspiration why don't we see if we can contact him and get him on this show he would he would i bet he would love to be on the show do you think he'd do it yeah i bet he would i'm friends with him on facebook so uh how big is the youtube channel um he's got about eighty thousand subscribers so he's he's, he's about the biggest storm chaser out there as far as youtube goes yeah so yeah i mean for someone that's like purely just storm chasing and yeah 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 because that just shows you then there's uh 
everyone who's watching him is it's they're there for that exact purpose. Yes. It's not like he's doing other things. Yeah. He's way. he's also a musician. So Really? Yes, he is. He's a guitarist. Like, he sings. He's got a band. This is like Nick Schrader ten years in the future, I, I that's guess. What, I know what this guy is. Yeah. I think Sounds he's like, like he's like forty or in his in his forties, I'm not sure, but just an awesome dude. I'd love to meet him someday out chasing, you know. Well, we are gonna contact this guy and we're yeah. gonna try to get him on the show. Absolutely. This, this is I, I like the sound of this all right. Yeah. And it's like I was saying earlier, we've been heavily focusing on the music uh-huh. and this would be a great change of direction, yeah. you know, just just a different flavor. Something yeah. like this this sounds perfect. Yeah. So we're we're gonna go after him. Nice. Okay. That's my <clears> pick. Excuse me. My pick. Um I've been a little bit of a homer lately in the sense that I, I'm I'm picking things that, that we do. <laughs> uh, last time I picked something that uh I do. I picked my own documentary, but this time I'm going to pick something you did, Nick. Uh, and actually, this is a little bit jumping the gun because your art show hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But you are doing an art show soon, yeah. and I've already seen a lot of the pictures that are going to be displayed there. So I, I just haven't seen all the prints and stuff like you're going to display them. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of the things that you're going to display. Um, and your, your art show is Arizona-themed, and That's I right. love Arizona. It's like my favorite state in the Union. Uh just in landscape and I, I just just love the desert landscape it's really really cool and uh yeah i've, I've probably only seen maybe f- i don't know how many pictures you're going to do at the show where you think uh, 10 of them 10 mm-hmm. okay I, I think i've seen at least half of them mm. and dude i just love the pictures man thank you and thank you, man. i half of it is your artistic ability to capture it and make it look cool the other half of it is just the landscape itself. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like it does the work for it you. Takes your like, breath away. Yeah, it does. Mm. It does. And uh, those pictures are just so beautiful. It's almost like they're they're photogenic. Mm. And it it's like it it's almost doing the work for you to. It's yeah, like it yeah, captures yeah. itself in a way. Very true. You know, like it's it it's like it's almost like it's just saying, "Take a picture of me." Yeah, you know, it's begging. Capture it's, me. It's photogenic. It's it's begging. It is. To be. It wants to be captured. Yes. And, and, a shot, you know. That's a, that's a really poetic way to put it, dude. I like that. You could say that about lightning, tornadoes. It's like they're very, they're very photogenic, and they're asking to be photographed. I like yes. that. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, really it's, like I mean, that. I'm kind of personifying it, but yeah. that's what. Yeah, that's cool. what it feels like. So yeah, you know, when you when you take a shot of something like, um, let's just take an example of Antelope Canyon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. I mean, even if you're a terrible photographer. A terrible photo of that would it's still look pretty good. It's hard to take good. a bad picture in there. It really is, man. It, it, it would still look pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then when you take a good photographer with a good camera in there, I mean, oh, forget about it. Yeah. And uh, the world famous Peter Licht, uh, Ooh, yeah, one of yeah. his most famous shots of Phantom. all time. Yeah. It's from there. Yes, How much did that sell for? Millions, did, dude. Wow. Millions yes. of dollars for a picture? Yeah. All of his stuff. Who does like, he sell to? Th- dude, did you say he s- sells to the Queen of England? Yes, he's sold to the Queen. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! And once you sell to the Queen, the royal set for life. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's I believe he is the photographer who's uh, he's like the most successful photographer in the world when it comes to landscape, landscape, and then making money. Like he's the biggest, mm-hmm. biggest landscape dude there, there is out. there. I wonder who the biggest photographer in the world is. Period. Or is it just like, it just depends on what genre because there's so many yeah. successful ones. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. I don't who know. The most popular one is, I don't know. But yeah. When, for I should sure. know as a photographer, you think I know in, that. In landscape though, for sure. This guy. Peter Lick, man. Yeah. Australian so, dude. Yeah. 
yeah, cool. Th- that guy made it. So yeah. maybe that. Maybe this will be my pick. Will be like Nick Schrader's Arizona theme slash Peter Licht. Thank you. Because glad just, to be a part of the pick, man. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna take. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll have we'll have a link in the picks there to uh, display. Uh, it'll link to something where the the person can go check out. Yeah. Some some of your pictures are gonna be on display. If, if I may. No pun intended. May fifth. 2017, 4 o'clock p.m., Uptown Cafe in Valparaiso, Indiana. Yeah, I'd, if you're love, a local, I'd love to see you there. Yeah. If you're a local, um, yeah. make it out. May 5th. If you're not a local, you better get your tickets. <laughs> get those plane tickets now, man, before it's too late. If you're, you know, if you want to fly in from D.C., New York, L.A., whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> well, Pete, uh, if you're listening to this, bro, uh, you're an inspiration. Yeah. Come check out my work. Yeah. I'd love to have you yeah we'd love to have you on the show by the way if you're listening to this make sure you contact me first Nick (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man okay All right. um that sounds good to me we're gonna leave it at that and we're gonna get out of here and uh and just leave it for next time because there's there's a lot more where this came from yeah sound good sounds good to me thanks for listening guys next Next time next time